0: Good morning and welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by GetGo Cafe and Market, where as always, Dale, you can get fresh food, fresh drinks, and the curbside pickup in case you want to avoid as much contact as possible. But either way, when you go to GetGo, you get professional uh, food and professional food prepared for you so that you're able to go about your day.
1: You can even order that online or download the GetGo app Mm -hmm. that way as well.
0: There's a lot of different ways to get Get GetGo food. Get yours this week. I know I am. Dale, the Steelers got their own announcement this week. They have – an well, it's been reported, it's not officially announced, that Matt Canada is going to be the team's next offensive coordinator. Of course, Randy Feekner was let go by the team. His contract was not renewed. Uh, and now Matt Canada, who after one season as the quarterback coach is promoted – Dale, there's a debate I see going on between Steelers and Nation as far as is this just going to be more of the same, or is this a new guy because he's only been there for a year? Yeah, yeah, your face.
1: <laughs> Steeler fans kill me sometimes. Yep, because all season long, all I heard was, will don't they let Matt Canada call the plays? Why don't they do this?" Matt Canada was hard Now Matt Canada is going to be hired, and they don't love it. They don't. They, no, they they, they, need, they they settled for somebody in house. What is this? Is just more of the same? Which is it, folks? You can't have it both ways. Matt Canada was brought in. I'm getting some, some, some pushback from people, uh, and maybe you could explain this a little bit better, Chris, than apparently I have. Um, yes, they implemented some of Canada's pre-snap motions and things of that nature uh, in the 14 practices that they had in training camp this year, 14 padded practices. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you're not going to do a complete install. Uh, y- y- they weren't installing Matt Canada's offense they were, they were tweaking their own offense based off of some of the things that Matt, the pre-snap motion that Matt Cannon had brought to, you, to the table. Once the regular season starts, you install a certain part of that. But once a regular season starts, you're not, you're not consistently adding to that package necessarily. You're doing what you need to win games. Um, now this time this year, they'll have an entire off season to install this package and and do what Matt Canada – and I'm sure it will be based off of their offense. You're not going to completely t- change your offensive calls. And quite frankly, Canada's offense and offensive scheme doesn't – he he's not reinventing the wheel here. All it is is a bunch of pre-snap motion, uh, and it's not, even, it's not even about the quarterback necessarily having a bunch of motion. It's moving tight ends around, moving wide mm-hmm. receivers around, things of that nature, moving backs around. Um, but there's a lot that goes into that. Once you get into the regular season, you're not doing a bunch of that stuff. You're not you're not working on things of that nature. So you know, they install uh some pre-snap motions, things of that nature, but that's you're not you're not suddenly running Matt Canada's offense during the regular season.
0: Right, and that's the thing, is that people had to realize during the season, and like you and I were both seeing it, people were saying, oh, that's Matt Canada calling the play. like, no, calm down. That's not how this works. Yes, every assistant coach on the offense, when they meet and they're putting the playbook together, they are getting a say, and Randy Feekner, whoever's the offensive coordinator, can put together all those different things to make the playbook. Matt Canada definitely added some wrinkles. That's because he's an assistant coach. That's part of his job. But to understand a huge difference from Adding a few wrinkles and seeing some of those wrinkles in some of the plays that the Steelers called is way different from he went in there, went on the headset and said, "Ben, you're running this and play." This, of- yeah.
1: right. That's not that- how it works. Right. I-, and- I also saw there was some stuff out there yesterday. Uh, you know, when the the, the Devonte Adams touchdown on Saturday, mm-hmm. I so, mm-hmm. on Saturday, where he- they run him across the across the the uh, the, the formation uh, in man coverage and get him open for a touchdown. And I immediately see, the Steelers never do anything like that. Yeah, they do, actually. Yeah. They've done it quite a bit. They did it a lot when they had, <clears throat> had Antonio Brown. They've done it with Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, short memory spans from people. Uh, you know, Nobody is reinventing offense I- at any level uh, of football. This, the plays are the same, largely, no matter what. You're, all you're doing is changing play callers here.
0: That's the thing. You're, you're looking at play callers changing here. And then also, you're looking at a guy – there's got to be a new balance to the way the Steelers offense works. So a different approach with some, some different rings, some adding more of his own wrinkles into us, into this system, maybe finding a way to generate some ground game. Of course, that's also going to have to involve investments in the offensive line and in the running back position. But, Specifically with Matt Canada, yeah, you're going to see some different looks. But I, I think it's a misnomer for people to think that those were the, the, the times that the Steelers' offense was su- succeeding were all because either Ben was drawing up plays in the dirt or Matt Canada was calling the plays. But none of the times they're seeing it was because of Randy Feekner. It's not how it worked. Um, and and that being said, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That it's a bad thing that Matt Canada is get, getting promoted. All all both of us are saying is that the the impact of this, the obvious, you know, the, what everyone's going to try and say, whatever's going to happen, I guarantee you, and Dale will probably agree with me, if the offense makes some it makes mistakes next year, if Ben Roethlisberger has a four interception game, there will be people blaming the offensive coordinator. Then
1: all oh, the offensive coordinator's fault.
0: Yeah, and 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 and, and then people, the same people that were saying it was Matt Canada saving the offense in 2020, are going to saying he's burning it down in 2021. Uh, you know, again, it's not all as simple as oh, you just got to call better plays. Sometimes you got to execute them better when they're on the field. All right, Dale, on top of offensive coordinator, the Steelers, of course, got rid of Sean Serrett. Or didn't renew his contract. Um, and he is now gone. They're going to be looking for a new offensive line coach. Um, but there's a lot of questions as far as how they can proceed rebuilding the offensive line moving forward. You obviously need new pieces. Villanueva is not expected back. You know, you talked about in your 10 thoughts right after the game that you thought Pouncy would be, would be gone this year. Um, and, you know, there's going to be questions at right tackle. Was a core four good enough for, for them? What, yeah, you know, there's a lot of questions in, in this. And now, um, we got to look at what's more important in establishing this, the the, the ground game for the Steelers. And I guarantee you, this will be a debate for the next eight months, but uh, leading into the draft in April or May, whenever it is this year, um, everyone's going to be talking about, should the Steelers take a running back in the first round or take an offensive alignment? And, to me, there's still way too much in the air, up in the air to guarantee either way. They're gonna. It's gonna depend on what players fall to them and who they sign in free agency. But I still think that the effort needs to be to make sure that this offensive line gets some anchors back on it.
1: See, to me, the easier, quicker fix is getting a running back. Okay. Um, you know, again, if you look around the league, um, Minnesota does not have a great offensive line. Very true. Um, Tennessee does not have a great offensive line. You could That's go a on true. down the list uh, of, of teams that don't have great offensive lines, but somehow run the ball effectively because they have a better running back. Uh, you know, if you watched uh, in the game on on Sunday, um, you know, some of the jump cuts and things of that nature that, that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt made, um, that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're just a straight one cut runner and, and and you have no no ability to cut back and do those kind of things – um, your offensive line has to block uh, quite a bit differently than than, than the, you know you do for a great running back. You give a great running back a seam, and and let's face it, uh, and I know you probably saw this a lot too. There were some holes open this year that the Steeler running backs just either didn't have the ability to hit, or hit quickly, or they they just it, they did hit it, but instead of getting the the twenty five yard gain that was there or the fifteen yard gain, uh, they got eight or seven. Right. They just didn't have any explosiveness.
0: And that's the problem. Even when, like, you know, a guy like Anthony McFarlane, who you see, he, he can't, once he gets up to speed, he's he can run away from people. His
1: problem is he's all arms and legs when he's when he, he dances too much at the line of scrimmage. Exactly. Uh, you know, he, he looks like one of the old break dancers when, he, when he's going into the hole. There's <laughs> just arms, you know, it's kind of a Tasmanian devil kind of thing with arms and legs going everywhere. Just hit the hole. What are you and doing the, dancing? Man, Seattle, and, he can't dance. Right. And at the same so time... Away.
0: But part of <laughs> part part of hitting the hole is also seeing the hole, and I think I, you know, I saw problems with that with Benny Snell. Times where he would like, run into the back of his lineman, and it's like, dude, bounce it out left, and you had you have a seam, um, and, and then that's that's how you build up steam. You know, p- vision, cutting, understanding how to use your athleticism on top of having that athleticism. Those are all vital things, and I agree. Investing in a running back would be huge for this for the, for this offense next year if they could get a playmaker back there, because even like you said, they don't need a superstar offensive line, but I do think it would, it would behoove them to try especially in the first round. I think there's really good shots, some offensive tackles um, that could fall to them, maybe even some centers. If they're able to, yeah, invest- I
1: would not draft a center in the first round this year. There's none. You don't think any of them to, fall their way. There's none that are worth taking in the first round.
0: Okay. Okay. One. Well, that, and see now this is, this is what I've been saying a lot. Uh, I talked to Tom about this last week. They, if they're going to reinvest in this offensive line, you can you got to sign a person in free agency and draft a person. In, in, you yeah, know, I, wouldn't, early on. I
1: wouldn't. I wouldn't get into the market of of signing an offensive line. First of all, they're not going to have the money to sign an offensive lineman in free agency unless it's one of their own. Mm-hmm. And they have. They are going to. uh I expect them to re-sign Zach Banner soon. Um, that, I thought that, that too. Won't, that won't take long. So that fixes part of your problem, or at least fills in part of you know some one of your holes. And let's he was he was one of your starting five coming out of training camp. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and I think, you know, his strength is his run blocking. So that's going to help make you better in that situation. And, you know, playing the the free agent game on the offensive line, you're always going to be disappointed because Mm -hmm. you're going to overpay for those guys. They don't have the cash to do it. Um, Realistically, they could go into next year drafting. The only guy who's going to start and be guaranteed a starting job would be the center. Mm. Uh, and I'm not taking a center in the first round in this draft, but you can get centers in the second and third rounds Mm. that are going to come in and play a lot of snaps for you and start right out of the gate. So, uh, to me, that's the way to do it. If you get a tackle in the first round, great. You're going to need, you're going to need him down the road as well. Mm. Uh, and and he maybe helps with some of your blocking stuff as your, as your sixth offensive lineman, as you saw this year, you needed that guy anyways. And, you know, but if it's a running back, it's a running back. So. Um,
0: my last question on on the running back situation. Everyone's going to be talking about this, too. If if both are available to you, who do you take, Etienne or Harris?
1: Najee Harris. Uh, he fits more with what they do. Uh, you know, I look at ATN as more of a Jamal Charles type. Mm. Not that he's small or anything. I mean, he's 210 pounds, which is certainly big enough. Uh, and he's got, the, you know, the breakaway speed. But Najee Harris screams Steelers running back. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how fast he runs at the combine whatever we have as a combine this year. Uh, if you're a steeler fan, you don't want him running a sub four or 540. you want him being around four or five five something along those lines. that's plenty fast enough. Mm-hmm. He catches the ball well, he's athletic, he blocks. He'll step in from day one and be your starter.
0: And uh, like you said, if he runs that sub four or five and he's in the four fours, that means he's probably going to get drafted way high. So uh, that's gonna be something interesting to want. But Dale, we got lots of time to talk about that. So, Dale, talking about pit hoops, switching up the topics a little bit here. Pitts coming off of sweeping Syracuse in back-to-back games, oddly, of course, over across 10 10 days, but uh but it's still a sweep, and now Pitts got Justin Champney back, they just had their most complete win of the season. They scored 96 points against Jim Beheim's zone defense. And I know Jim Beheim, Syracuse, they don't got the dogs that, that they do on some of their best years. But still, in for this program, they, you know, before this season, they hadn't beaten them, I think, I think since 2017 or 2016. And now they've beaten them twice twice in a row. And you're seeing Champagny and, and Xavier Johnson feeding off of him. Audis Tony playing really solid defense and you're you're seeing the team build off each other. Now the freshmen are getting involved. How real do you think that this pit team could be ju- even just this year? Because Champagny looks like he's a guy that if he keeps this kind of performances up, he's going to the NBA draft.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because they're doing this without a big guy. Mm-hmm. They really don't have a true uh, a, a true center in there. Um, you know, they're using some guys in those spots. But Champagny, I mean, is rebounding like, like he's Charles Barkley or something. Yeah. Uh, it's six, six. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, let me ask you this, Chris, how did he get back so quickly? We were hearing that was a, a six or seven week injury. And all of a sudden he's, he's back on the court.
0: C- Jeff Capel said uh, that he went through the same thing last year where he suffered an injury and he thought he would be out for a while. Jim Penny said the day after he, he was diagnosed, and they said you're going to be out six to eight weeks. He said he like did some things with with his legs, and he was like, "Oh, I'm going to be back in a month. Like I'll be
1: Wolverine I'll, or something." I mean, maybe he is. He <laughs> has superhuman
0: powers because every, I mean, and, and Jeff Capel. It was funny. They kept this as hush as possible. It was Ithiel Horton who let us know after the first Syracuse game. He was like, "Justin Chappen, he's dunking in practice," and we're like, "He is." already and we're like okay okay maybe he like lightly dunked and then like they're like no 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 no, no. he's dunking in practice and and then uh and then Jeff Capel tried to play it down this week before or last week before the the Syracuse game and then all of a sudden we get that tweet of him in his in his warm-ups in the locker room we're like oh so he was dunking in practice uh and then Capel revealed that he practiced in full the Saturday a full week before Syracuse so uh I think part of it is this guy's a true competitor and a warrior and a heck of an athlete because on top of and, and we've we've said this before about other players and other sports, including with, with the Steelers, players that recover faster. It's you know a lot of times how amazing of an athlete are you to go through a recovery process and get back to it. And Dale, you saw that game. It was he he took like Five minutes to warm back up and he was back to rebounding everywhere, scoring everywhere, working in the post, working in the wing, and schooling everybody. Finished with 24 points and 16 rebounds. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, that wasn't 24 and 16 against uh, you know, some low-level St. Francis uh, yeah, who beat them yeah, yeah. <laughs> right when he was doing his 2020 stuff. That's a, that's a that's 24 and 16 against Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a legit uh ACC opponent. Um, you know, we'll see what they're able to get in here they actually benefited from covid a little yeah, bit kind of crazy they had right? some games pushed back they would have they would have played five or six games without justin Champagny. now all of a sudden they get him back uh, obviously he's their best player and you know you have to start if you're pit if you're watching them and, and and keeping a close eye on them they're a legit potential uh, pl- uh tournament team um i realize a tournament might not look like what we're used to seeing but You know, think about where they were at just a couple of years ago. Okay. Capel's doing a great job of rebuilding this thing.
0: We're seriously talking about Pitt being a tournament possibility right now where we were talking, we were, you know,
1: people were joking about if they were going to win an ACC game two years ago.
0: Exactly. I mean, and people were joking about, Oh, the brick wall that Jeff Capel does. That seems so silly and and meaningless. Well, guess what? He's, he's building together that wall. And and you're also right there. They definitely benefited from it. Not saying of course that they wanted it or anything like that, but, you know, on top of, you know, of not having Champagny, had they had to play the game last Saturday or two Saturdays ago now, um, they would have also been been missing three other players who were who were out for contact tracing. They got all of them back and then they got Champagne back for this game. And now they're in their full strength, of course, minus John Hugley, who is, you know, been arrested for, you know, for his things. But all, all things considered, they're in a very good place. And now they get to host Duke. At the Pete, Duke hasn't been playing their best basketball. If they beat Duke at the Pete, I mean, I think all eyes are starting to look at them. But people are really going to start have to look at it, looking at Pitt as a serious ACC threat this year.
1: Yeah, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, even the most uh, uh, hopeful of Pitt fans could not have seen that coming. Now you got to beat Duke, um, right. you as, to you, beat as you mentioned, you know this is not the same Duke team of, of previous years. Um, you know you just wonder if if uh, you know a lot of times when you play one of these storied franchises, um, you know they get a they got a five point lead on you or 10 point lead or whatever it may be before the game even starts. Yeah. Um, you know Pitt has to realize that it's not playing Duke of you know 1986 Duke or something like that. They're playing the the 2001 version of Duke mm-hmm. and take the game to them. Um, you know right. I, I think they're doing some good things. Uh, They're they're shooting the ball better. Uh, And, you know, again, Champagny makes all the difference in the world. I, I
0: agree entirely. And what's crazy is we've seen this team stick to it and be persistent and be resilient. If they could come out and not have the ice cold starts that they've had in pretty much all of their games, imagine where they would be. Like we saw them start to take control of that game against Syracuse like right around late in the first half and then definitely in the second half. Imagine if they come out and Syracuse never gets an 8-point lead to start the game because Pitt's not hitting their shots early. That could change everything, especially against those teams that are serious threats this year and do have the dogs to run the court.
1: Yeah, and this is a good year, you know, the ACC is not what it has been. Um, you know, I think this is a good year that maybe maybe you go finish uh, second, third, fourth. Uh, in in the ACC this year because of where it's at. And who knows where that takes you recruiting-wise.
0: Absolutely.